know these people who have it all figured out? Well, they don't. At least not all of it. They don't have everything figured out. But I can tell you they do have something figured out. You do too. And that's what this show is about. Figuring out what you have figured out. Figuring out what you don't have figured out. And by figuring out how you figured out what you have figured out, figuring out how to figure out what you don't have figured out. Don't worry. I've got it all figured out. Welcome back. In episode eight that you're about to listen to, I catch up with a wonderful and dear friend, Anna McEwen. We were at the theater department together at Brigham Young University at the turn of the century. And as a result, uh, we have a lot in common. This is compounded by the fact that we both have four kids. We have both served missions for our church and are or were homeschooling. So this episode gets really specific about a few issues, namely home education and also having an arts degree and what to do with it. But then we talk about issues with a broader application. Anna tells me about what she has figured out about green smoothies, about when lowering your standards is actually a good thing, positive parenting and the power of gratitude. Also, why do I sometimes want to feel bad, even when I know how to feel good? We also go down a road of Eastern philosophy where we question the permanence of potty training, even in adults. Oh, what, what book have you been reading? Uh, Growing Young. It's interesting. And she just makes a huge case for relationships being the secret to good health and longevity, even over eating and exercise. Not that those don't make a difference and aren't important, but relationships make an even bigger difference. Interesting. Well, that's disheartening because it feels like a lot of times it feels like you only have 50% control over a relationship, <laughs> right? Well, it's not just in our own home. It's friends outside of it make a big difference, I guess. Not that I am really good at that because I'm not. Oh, but, really? uh, yeah. Yeah. I need to be better at reaching out. I tend to, I'm, I'm introverted and I have my people around me all the time. My mm -hmm. kids started homeschooling in the middle of like middle school. And mm -hmm. I, I don't know, it's just consuming. And I, I, it's very easy to not prioritize seeing friends or calling people. And it's not good. It's not good. I need to do that. That is 100% true. Yeah. As a former homeschooler, <laughs> yeah. so, as a recovering homeschooling mom <laughs> it's difficult because it's like when does it end yeah. you know what I mean it's like mm -hmm. you have so much that you want to teach your children and homeschooling is like this amazing beautiful this is going to change the world and my family is going to be fabulous and perfect because of this process this is how <laughs> I approached it anyway right no totally pressure. idealistic totally idealistic <laughs> and um and there's so much, and there's just so many resources out there. And mm -hmm. I know, I'm sure you love learning, because what person like homeschools and is all, you know, I'm not really into this stuff. No, I don't right. think that happens. <laughs> so, you know, you're so excited, and you're learning all this stuff, and you want your kids to be excited. And it's just like, and everything, it turns into a lesson. You're all, okay, mm -hmm. so now we're cleaning, and this is how we're going to clean more efficiently. I read this book about how to be efficient, <laughs> so now we're going to apply it here. I'm also learning about leadership skills, so I'm going to teach you those while we do this. And have you yes. found out this really great way to tie your shoes? And it's like, it's, <laughs> it's exhausting because it can be yes. really hard to feel yeah. like, and they also have the pressure of being like, we have to be better than the public school kids. Do you feel that? Uh, yeah, I, I definitely feel under scrutiny uh, mm -hmm. if I talk to anyone who is not doing homeschooling, which is the majority. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's an immediate um, question of, well, well, why would you be doing that? And I am uncomfortable with you doing that because that suggests that maybe I'm not doing the right thing. And mm -hmm. so I don't know about that. That that better not be better than what I'm doing, you know. And mm -hmm. uh, because I, because I'm not idealistic about homeschooling, I don't think it's the only way for sure. And uh, we entered it very experimentally. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, if you start in middle school, you can't be yeah. idealistic. There's nothing right. idealistic about that age. No, okay. indeed. Try and put to put to rest any any suspicions that might be present in the conversation, and just mm -hmm. have a conversation about why why we chose to do it and the trade offs because there are there are definitely trade offs. But I think it's a good option. Yeah. When it's good, it's good. It's mm -hmm. really wonderful. It's like it's like transcendent. At least for me, it was like this is why we have families. Mm -hmm. This is why we have children is to right. learn these things and do do it together and you know 
Yeah. I really, I, I think it's wonderful when it's wonderful. It's kind of like when she was good, she was very, very good. And when she was bad, she was awful. Right. Right. The little poem there. And yeah. that's kind of how you feel. And unfortunately, like the good idealistic days are not every day. No, nope, that's and, life. And, and they're more of the, I, you know, that's true. That's true. Most days aren't fantastic. <laughs> no. But you get some that really are. Yeah. So tell me about how many kids do you have? Where are they? What are they doing? So I have four kids like you. Um, mm-hmm. They are ages 18, seven, almost 17, 15, and 12. The 15-year-old is a boy. The rest are girls. They all went to public school. We've been talking about schooling, but um, they all went to pub- public school through elementary. The area that we lived in had this really cool program that was Spanish immersion. My oldest joined it in first grade and my second oldest joined it in kindergarten because they're just a year apart in school. Mm-hmm. And once they were in it, the other kids got to do it. So that was that was really neat because they went through that program and became fluent in Spanish and could read it pretty well and could write it pretty well. And so they're still all all fluent in that and I'm quite jealous of them. But um but it was a it was this amazing opportunity for them to to go through that program and once my oldest hit middle school and she was graduating from elementary school. We lived in an area that was very education centric, very high standards, really cool in a lot of ways, and also a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of a lot of homework in elementary school. There were parents who at back to school night were like, why are we waiting till October to start homework? And <laughs> I'm like, who are you? <laughs> They're kids. They're at school all day. Can they have some time to play? But when, as we were approaching middle school, there were just some things that presented themselves. I met this other mom whose husband had to take hiatus from work for health reasons. And they moved their family to France in the countryside. And she homeschooled them for two years. And she's like, and it's been really really amazing. And here's some books that I read about it. And here's an article about leadership. And so that started me on the path of kind of researching this and looking into it and seeing people who were doing it and seemed to be healthy throughout it. And their kids seemed to be well adjusted and their families seemed to benefit from it. And so I approached my oldest daughter, Grace, and I I was like, do you want to do this? Do we want to try it just for the first year of middle school? And she really wasn't sure about it. It was mm-hmm. kind of scary sounding and being home. And What about my friends? So, the social yeah. aspect is huge, especially yeah. at that age. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I said, you know, why don't you think about it? And this is ultimately up to you. I'm not going to make you do this for sure. But if you want to try it out and you don't like it, you can go back to school. It's middle school. It's not like there's going to be a huge gap mm-hmm. if she tries this out for a year. And, and she decided that she did want to try it out for a year. And then the next year, her younger sister decided she wanted to try it out as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, so on and so forth. So here in California, there's this really cool thing that they do for charter schools called the California High School Proficiency Exam. And all the students have to take it to get their diploma. And what I learned from another homeschooling mom is that that is the equivalent of diploma. So mm. if my kids take that test and pass it, then they have a diploma and they can start at community college as soon as they've done that. Ah. So as full-time students, not as concurrent students, which in one sense, you know, it's like, okay, I have to pay for it. But in another, they're actual college students, so they can transfer to a university mm-hmm. rather than having to apply as a freshman. And sometimes that is a bit of a smoother application process. And mm-hmm. so we checked that out. And Grace took that when she was 15 and started at community college shortly after that. So she she was our trailblazer. We learned a lot on her, made a lot of mistakes on her <laughs> through the process. <laughs> That's but, the um, firstborn. Yeah, so. it is. And uh, I have a friend who calls it their, their pancake child because the first pancake's always a little wonky. But um, <laughs> it's <true>. sorry. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so she she's 18 now. And she has applied to university. She's going to Brigham Young University in the fall. And and so we've weathered it. We've mm-hmm. made it through the system. So my kids have really kind of only homeschooled through middle school, and then they start at community college. So oh, okay. we're not full homeschoolers the whole time, but mm-hmm. that's that's been our process. Yeah. Actually, I think I've really jumped ahead here. Can you tell us where you were born, where you came from? I was born on an army base in Missouri. And 
I was raised in Washington State. So my parents okay. moved there when I was about three. And I spent my formative years in the beautiful northwestern state of Washington in a town called Puyallup. And oh, yeah. great place to grow up. And then I went to college away from home. I went to Brigham Young University. I studied and received a BFA in music dance theater. Um, before I graduated, I auditioned for probably every single show at BYU. Um, <laughs> I so they had people coming two. through, right? <laughs> so what they have, I know that the cruise lines come through BYU and they're always looking for MDT. Yeah, they were starting right. to do that back then. Yeah, mm -hmm. so uh, the theme parks like Disney World and certain Broadway shows, they wouldn't come to BYU when I was there, but they would come oh, through okay. Salt Lake City. Okay. And so, you know, word on the street would get out, hey, there's auditions for Les Miserables up at this hotel, that kind of thing. And while I had very moderate, moderate might be a generous term for my success at and doing shows at BYU, the heavens opened a, a way came and I auditioned for Beauty and the Beast and was cast in the national tour of that. And so before I graduated, I went on tour with Disney's Beauty and the Beast for a year. And that was throughout the United States and Canada. And after I left on tour, my husband now was not my husband then came out and proposed to me while I was on tour. And I'd only been out about a month and a half, I think when he when he proposed and all very exciting and wonderful, hurrah. And I go to my stage manager and I say, I'm engaged. When can I get married? <laughs> and, and he looks at the calendar and all the people who have their vacations scheduled and whatnot. And he's like, well, uh, the first opening's in about nine months or five weeks from now. <gasps> and we got married five weeks later in England of all places. So that was a, an accomplishment. And it well, was, sure. Who doesn't just, you know, plan an international wedding on five weeks notice? Right? That's a normal thing. Yeah. That's yeah. definitely normal. So you can guess that from that, that this wedding was not the production that some weddings are, <laughs> but it was what I wanted. And I was very grateful for that. I really tried to delegate almost everything. I just wanted to pick my dress and mm -hmm. I wanted my flowers to look a certain way, which they didn't, but it was okay. And <laughs> I wanted great photos and we got some great photos. I didn't pick a photographer or anything. It was in England and it ended up being a friend and an amateur, but he did get some, some good photos that I am so grateful for. And mm -hmm. everything else was delegated to family and they, they did a great job and I'm grateful. So yeah. So we did that for a year, came back to BYU. I actually, um, while we were on tour, we wanted to start our family and I did get pregnant, but it, um, it ended up being something really rare called a molar pregnancy. It wasn't able to go to term. I had to wait a little while before we could try to have children again, but we, we went ahead and finished after a year. That's, that's the commitment in myself that I'd made. I could have stayed longer, mm -hmm. but it felt like it was time to move on to finishing our education and starting a family. And, uh, and so, we did that, moved to Arizona for a few years in between getting into graduate school, applied to graduate school a couple times, Greg did, mm -hmm. got into graduate school eventually and, uh, and moved there, which was uh, Stanford up in Northern California. And we ended up living up there for 11 years. And so that's where we spent the majority of our marriage. And then about four years ago, we moved down to Southern California and that's where we are right now. So why did you make that move? As with everything with Greg and I, we try to check in with each other semi-regularly about the path that we're on. Is this what we want to be doing? Are we still on the track that we want to be on? And so my husband in the in the midst of <laughs> the last few years, I should probably mention him, um, in his career, he, he is a writer. He from the moment I met him, he wanted to write, study and research and, and write books that would help kind of people, not self-help exactly, but just help human systems, help people with things that they struggle with to be able to make life better. He could say it much more eloquently than me, but he wrote a book uh, shortly after we after he graduated, we graduated, whatever, from Stanford. It's called Essentialism. and. That became a New York Times bestseller, and he spent the next few years going to conferences and talking uh, on the book Essentialism mm -hmm. and the concepts in there. And that's a really kind of a, it's it's a business book, but it's really quite a personal book because there's a lot of personal anecdotes in there from from our life and from our experiences, in addition to, 
to people that he interviewed and, and things that he's researched. And then he just published another book that came out at the end of April, so just a few weeks ago, called Effortless. And it's about trying to make the important things in life easier to do. COVID made that possible, uh, gave him mm. a lot of time to write because everything in the business of speaking and travel completely shut down. Mm -hmm. No conferences. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And now they're starting to kind of do virtual things, but travel is just not happening. So, mm -hmm. so it provided a lot of time for that. Right before he started on this book, we were exploring the the media and mm. um, whether there might be something some way for us or for him or for us <laughs> to contribute through television or media in some way mm -hmm. but we don't have everything planned out and with with anything with the media there is no path that's clear you just mm -hmm. kind of go and you try and you network and you see you know and try and figure out what how this thing works and, and whether this is a fit or whether fit, anything will happen. Mm -hmm. So that's that's why we moved down to Southern California. Okay. Um, there so it'll be some, closer to LA then? Yeah, yeah. Kind of the, the entertainment industry that's out there. Yeah, and there were a couple of production companies that were interested in possibly doing something with Greg, um, but we're still figuring all of that stuff out. So there's nothing... Yeah, that can take years to c come to yeah. fruition for sure. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. We're definitely not hanging all our hopes and dreams on that, but we mm -hmm. felt like we needed to give it a go. So, well, that's great. Have you been doing anything with your acting over all this time? I know, I know how it is when you homeschool. Like, I yeah, said. I took a long break. Uh, the last show that I did, I was pregnant with my second child, Eve, and uh, and then we moved, and I just never got an agent, and I didn't want to do shows because I don't like doing them on the on the weekend, especially Sundays. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they're a huge commitment. And I really was and am um, wanting to give my all to this phase of life because mm -hmm. my kids are heading out the door in the next few years. Um, two of them are going to be gone within two years, like off to university. Yeah, and my, I have my kids really close together. And this is almost over. And so, mm -hmm. so I really wanted to, to focus on that. Um, and, and I toy with it through the years, but just I, I just never could quite figure out how to make it work. But uh, since moving here uh, during COVID, I, I kind of started to look for, I don't know, the next step because it is overwhelming, you know? So I, I mean, I did get some headshots and I signed up for a casting website um, and I've done a few little virtual auditions. I, I was one of, you know, I haven't done anything, but mm -hmm. I, I, it's, I'm having the experience of auditioning and getting called back. And on one of them, I was the second person. So the other, they went with the other person, you know, the well, story hey, that's of something. acting. It's something, you know. And uh, and there's a group that I found, um, just a little a network group of like people who graduated um, and have been doing what they call a, an actor's forum. And they meet every Tuesday night on Zoom and everyone submits a scene that we've picked for each other. You get assigned a person to pick a scene for and there's usually a theme. And then hmm. you have a couple of days to practice it and videotape yourself and upload it. And then we all watch it and give each other notes. And so I've been doing that since about November. Um, I hmm. haven't done it the last like two or three weeks. It's it just, life has just been such that I'm like, oh man, I just can't get this set up and um, to, cause you need someone to read with you. And anyway, it feels a little complicated right now. Um, assume it is, it is yeah. specifically film acting and all the classes I think have been pretty much shut down. They might be opening up again, but, um, but I have reservations about it. I mean, I don't know, maybe you want to edit this out, but just BYU was such a safe space. Right. Um, and, and leaving that, um, there's just, I just know that I'm going to have to edit everything. And if that's a problem, then that's a problem, you know? <laughs> well, it's it just even with the classes. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting place to be in because mm -hmm. it's not like, well, maybe with your plans with Greg, this is something more, you know, if you're looking to get into media, then it's, it's more important. But for someone in like my position that, you know, I don't have to work, right? Yeah. Like, I don't need to be bringing in money. Yeah, right. And so, but I do feel like, you know, this is what I do, right? Yeah, you it's know, a passion project. <laughs> it's a passion, you know, and even though you kind of put those passions on the back burner, right? Mm -hmm. While you're being a mom, you do like the idea of being able to do it again, but at the same time, it's so easy to not. Yes. 
<laughs> kind of like when we were talking about even reaching out to friends or anything. Yeah. When you're a, when you're a stay-at-home mom, a full-time mom, especially if you're homeschooling, all your time is accounted for. Yeah. Okay. It's, you know, you have, you always have something due. Yeah. Everything's a trade-off. Right. And then the idea of actually kind of putting yourself out there mm-hmm. and, you know, what do I have to do to get back into it? I haven't done it in so long. I feel so rusty. Can I even compete? Because it's such a competitive industry, yep. obviously, especially yeah. for women. Yeah. And, um, yes. they've been going to come into my life. So this is, yeah. so I'll just, I'll just, we'll transition now to talking about this. me. Okay. Yeah. No, please. Um, so I graduated from BYU without my MRS right? I was just a single person. And at that time, let's see, we'll just go way back. So I had done a project at BYU and I had done wit, which was a play. Yes. I saw you in wit. You were You saw me in wit. So I shaved my head. Yeah. And then I, and I knew I could shave my head because I was going to England right after. And I'm like, I'm going to fit in just fine. (laughs) No one's going to look, that's fine. They're crazy over there. Not a problem. (laughs) Um, and so, but this time, so I have an acting degree. I have a BFA in acting, not MDT. I'm not going to go into that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> did you ever course, audition for MDT? I never did because I just knew I wouldn't get in. Oh, nonsense. I was just, because the dance element, the dance element was way too. Uh, it was. And I was just Sorry, so. I should, <laughs> I should edit myself Well, there, and that's but... kind of, you know, and at the time there was kind of like, there was a lot of people who had started out in MDT mm-hmm. and then went onto the acting track. Yeah after just because MDT it could seem like it was kind of more preparing you for like the chorus the chorus exactly with strong mm-hmm. dance skills and really not focusing mm-hmm. the act I mean I think mm-hmm. musically you guys were totally well prepared and the vocal staff at BYU at the time somewhere excellent yeah somewhere so I, I struggled but um, what do you mean I, yeah no I I, I I just I, I struggled with my singing it was a mm. it was a struggle to learn those techniques and feel like I was doing them correctly or helpfully oh. um, but well that's a whole other thing yeah it is <laughs> that's it a is. whole different podcast yes never yeah um Anyway, so I had shifted from being an actor to wanting to direct um, yeah. from my from my early, uh, pretty much I think it was when I was a missionary. I'm not even sure if those two things were related, but when I got back from my mission, I was really focusing on directing. Mm-hmm. And so I was applying for directing schools to direct theater. Yeah. And I was applying for internships and like nothing happened <laughs> with anything. Nobody, hmm. nobody wanted me. And I was probably That's a little so too, crazy. I was probably very forward about my religious beliefs. Hmm. in my application because mm-hmm. that was what I wanted to do like yeah. that was my passion and I did well did you come and see my other project my that man might be that I did no was I there oh. I might have well, been well if you saw then. wit uh, I don't know if you saw wit I'm just trying to, maybe I've totally messed up the anyway that was like this kind of experimental show now wait was this. that was that with the Selims and yeah the Selims was the Adam and Eve thing yes yeah I totally saw that in the Nelke yeah 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 okay didn't yeah, remember the so, name of it but yes I saw that that was that was really cool well see i thought i was pretty great anyway um but it was very you are (laughs) it was very you know it was it was religiously centered and that's just not something that's that interesting to most theater schools Mm -hmm. you know they don't want to deal with it yeah um it's not what they want to do and so anyway then i went to so i didn't have anything to do i was out of school i wasn't married i didn't have graduate school to go to yeah i didn't have any internships Nothing was panning out for me. So then yeah. I, I was like not knowing what to do with my life. And at this time, going back a little bit, speaking of editing, holy cow. Anyway. No. <laughs> um, I, I was this. I was the teaching assistant for the London Study Abroad. Program. So the first cool. time I went to London was right before I decided to go on a mission. Um, and it was like this amazing experience. You see a play every night. Yeah. And it was just. You did the you know, spring the term pr- one? I did the spring term one. Yeah. yeah. So I did that specifically. I'm sure many years before, but yeah. And it was just an amazing experience. Then I come back after being a missionary, having graduated from college and there was so many bad shows like morally smutty shows in London, in London that we ended up seeing. And I was just like, what have I done? Like I've put my entire university education towards this thing that I can't do. Right. Like oh, that I so relate. <laughs> that there's not a place for me yeah. and what I want to do in this yeah. in this industry, you know? And it was like this real crisis kind of a thing. And my mom and my cousin and my mom's friend came out to travel around Europe when I was done. And I was sitting in an internet cafe. So this di- dates me, right? Internet cafes. Anyone else remember those? You had to go pay <laughs> I do. to use the internet. Um, 
And I was, you know, this was after I'd done all these interviews and I just knew nothing was panning out. And then my sister had emailed me and said, why don't you come and live with me in Minnesota? We've got more theater seats per capita than any other city other than New York in Hmm. the United States. So she said, come and live with me. I'm having a baby. I want you to help me out. Hmm. So that's what I ended up doing. And um, so I went there and I did a couple shows. While I was there, I was, I actually, I performed. Yes, I was, let's see. So what did I do? I assistant directed at um, a theater there. And that was really great because then I didn't have to rehearse on Sundays. I was just an assistant director. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to worry about the content Mm -hmm. because I wasn't saying anything. Yeah. Even though there were objectionable things in the show that would have been objection, right? Right. So that was great. I ended up uh, auditioning for Soulless Bloodsucking Lawyers, a musical, which was, and I got the lead. It was (laughs) crazy. It was crazy Uh, because I remember very specifically. It's not crazy at all. Well, I was getting my, um, I was getting my auditions ready. You know, the senior class where you have the auditions class. Yeah. I was getting that that together. Yes, we did. Wait. And um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we did. And Reese I was just Purser, making sure we were talking about the same thing. Yeah. 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 Reese Purser, he looked at my monologues and he said, Ellery, these are all old lady parts. Like, <laughs> and he says, I understand that you are used to getting that here. But when you go out into the real world, they're going to see you as a young person and not <laughs> as an old person. Right. So he said, you need to get something that's that's more age appropriate. And, you know, and because that's always has always been my thing. You know, I was tall. Yeah. Not skinny. And so I would always get the older what? parts. Well, I just no, wasn't. you were tall, highly intelligent, mature. So and yeah, not skinny. At BYU, <laughs> you know, where everyone's twenty something, they're like, Oh, here's someone who's mature enough to play an older part. But yeah, I, I get it. Well, that's very nice to see. Well, and height I, I like is that a, like a, a, a height does seem to be equated with age for some reason. Well, yeah. I mean, we could talk about it all. But um, <laughs> and so it was crazy when I actually did get like the lead ingenue part. What do you know? I think it also had something to do with that the writer was also five eleven. I love it. So the author of of the play wanted was me it, to do it. Was it the first? Um, like, was that the first production of it? Like the yeah, what do you call it yeah. We um, actually even did a um, the debut or whatever. Yeah, the original cast recording. That is so, so cool. So I so we where even can I find in, this? You know, I don't even know. Like, do I even have a copy somewhere? I know my sister bought a copy. Anyway, yeah. So I'm <laughs> so I'm on the original cast recording. That is so cool. And so that was a good show. And I think I didn't ever end up performing on Sunday. And I was a temple worker at the time. And I didn't miss any of my... That's so cool. How did you work around the Sunday? Did they just say, okay, we're not doing Sunday? Just God made it so I didn't have to do any Sunday performances. Or That's if so I cool. did, it was like Was it one. a double... It, well, it wouldn't have been a double cast, though. No, it was just at a fringe festival. And so we were there, you know, sometimes yep. we had the okay. space. Yeah. And sometimes we didn't, okay. you know, but it was a pretty That's successful. So I think it was the highest grossing one at the time. And of course, with a name like that, Soulless Bloodsucking Lawyers, the musical. Yeah, I mean, that's people awesome. Are gonna, people are going to like that, right? Yeah. And so then what ended up happening was they decided to mount it again. Mm-hmm. And they offered me the role and they were going to pay us this time because mm-hmm. it was free before. And then I figured out that I was going to be getting paid less per show than one ticket cost. What? So I did the math on that. And maybe I did the math wrong, but, but yeah, it's I mean, not yes, equity, you know, right? Well, no, yeah. I mean, it yeah. wasn't a it wasn't a union thing. And at the time, I had just gotten married, and um, he fell in love with you watching. Interesting, because I do remember that he. Because then we ended up going on a radio show like at midnight. One, the cast did. Uh-huh. Like they had the cast, and then he's like, "Oh, yeah, I heard you. I listened to your radio. It's into me." I remember. <laughs> I don't even know if that was actually true at the time. So cool. <laughs> so, um, but that's kind of what happened to me. That's my story. And that was the end, or the the high. The hiatus began. Well, yeah, and I also did, um, there was what they called a director's gym. Hmm. There was a production company there called Theater Unbound, and they were specifically um, focused on empowering women. And so they would have, like, women playwrights, women directors. And one of the things they did, they had a director's gym, Mm -hmm. which is where they gave you just, like, a bunch of lines. Hmm. And then you just had to come up with something. Kind of a contentless scene. Exactly. That's exactly what it was. Hmm. And so mine was pretty awesome, obviously. I'm uh, sure. So then they offered me to direct on their season, which I did. And it was kind of an interesting thing because it was a new play. And looking back, this is terrible because it was like a, it was like an updated feminine Sherlock Holmes. Huh. Okay. So there was like the Sherlock Holmes and the Watson character. And I was really down on the fact that, um, that Sherlock was smoking marijuana, but that's Hmm. very in line with his cocaine use that was in the original thing. And I was like, ah, I don't really want to focus on this. 
I don't think there was any language in it, but sure. Come on, <laughs> do some research, Ellery. Seriously, like get yourself a little more. Um, oh, that's but, more than most do. I think that would be. Well, most. <laughs> but what ended up happening was my brother had brain cancer, and he ended up passing away Good. during that production. Oh. But I just left. I said I'm going to be with my brother. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately, when I did that, they gave the pro- they gave it to someone else direct mm-hmm. because I just left them behind. So yeah. I mean, I under I understand the situation. So that was kind of my that was my acting and directing that happened in yeah. Minnesota. And then I ended up um yeah, but I just found that a lot of the the quality of the work was not that good. So the content was objectionable. Mhm. And then the actual production quality was also yeah, low. And of yeah, course kinda, that's where and I you kind of die a little bit inside, don't you, when you're like giving so much to these things and you're like this is it? Right. And I mean, and, you know, I I didn't really try to go the professional, you know, I was working full time, you know, I was married, I was the young women's president, you know, so all these things, I was just like, I was working at the temple. I was just like, this isn't worth my time. Yeah. Because it's not everything that I wanted. Yeah, I, yeah, I really relate. I really relate to what you're saying. So but then you kind of come up to this point now, you know, your kids are don't need you as much. Yeah, right. And, um, and especially this last year, I guess Greg was home a lot more. It sounds like Mm -hmm. he was traveling a lot previous to that. Yeah. And so then you're like, okay, now how do I got get back into it? And I think that's something that a lot of moms who do the full-time mom gig start mm-hmm. thinking about. Yep. You know, what is going to be my legacy outside of children, outside yep. of my husband? Well, and even, I mean, maybe this is wrong, but for me, it's it's even less about legacy and more about development and growth mm. and learning. Like I I want to continue that again. I mean, of course I've been learning and growing in a very particular set of skills as being a full-time mom, but I've neglected certain talents and mm-hmm. grown others. And the ones I've neglected, I want to like nurture those again. Mm-hmm. And and it is humbling, scary. Um, I'm not as young as I used to be. My voice has been neglected. So when I sing, I'm like, well, what's going on there? You know, <laughs> that's not effortless. That's, you know, not that it ever was, but it's certainly harder now. Mm-hmm. What's going on with my vibrato and... <laughs> my range or whatever oh great and feeling we're in a new place I don't know anyone who does this and Mm. so looking for support looking for networks I mean it it is interesting living in a big city or living near a big city because everyone's hustling so it's also like okay who can I actually trust here uh, who really knows what they're doing and isn't just saying they know what they're doing you know, trying to find a network of, of people who have a voice teacher that can trust, you know, mm. or whatever, things like that. I totally have had breakdowns of tears about this forum, uh, you know, especially in the mm-hmm. beginning. I'm like, I just am terrible at this. <laughs> like, I, I don't want to send this in. I, you know, this is not good. Really wrestling inside and going, it doesn't have to be. I just have to send something in. I have to start somewhere. I have to produce something, even if it's rubbish, and just take it and get the feedback that I know I'm going to get. Although the forum is very supportive, they get it. They're good people. They're professionals. They're all working. I'm not. I don't even have representation. (laughs) They all have representation. (laughs) And that is scary, coming back into it, going, okay, Mm -hmm. here's, here's my... I mean, as a spiritual example, here's here's my loaves and fishes. Can you make something of this? Because mm. it ain't much. But in in doing it, in in taking the next step, it has been um, magnified. You know, it has mm-hmm. it it hasn't been as terrible as I anticipated. Maybe it hasn't mm-hmm. taken as long as I thought it might. Things are coming back. I don't feel like, hey, I'm back. You know, right? I'm I'm making progress, and that's encouraging. And now it's like, now what do I do with it? like we were talking about, you know, there, I mean, even trying to find a show on all the platforms that I'd be proud to work on. It's it's few and far between. And you can't, it's understood that you can't be picky when Mm -hmm. you're an actor, but I'm picky. So yeah, because you don't have the same drive that you might have had as a single person starting out in your 20s. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as far as like a, a willingness to pay the dues. Yeah. It's so true. Like, I don't I don't really need to pay these dues. Yeah, I don't know if <laughs> I care I about this that much it's, to it's, yeah. Yeah, cuz it's a hobby, but at the same time it's like more important than a hobby. Mhm. Particularly yeah. because, you know, you got a degree in it, right? And so right. in some ways you feel like you have to justify <laughs> this degree that I have. Right. I spent so much time developing these skills. Right. And, and especially since you've already had success, I mean, you know, traveling with a national company, that's not something everybody can say that they've done. Do you have something specific that you wanted to share? I just kind of, we just, we were just been talking. So what have you got figured out? 
we've had some uh, health issues in my family, some autoimmune mm. thing. My second daughter actually just is thankfully uh, recovering from something called autoimmune encephalitis, which actually hasn't been diagnosed with any kind of test. So mm. this is literally the doctor's best guess at what mm. she has. But they, they treated her for it. And, and I won't go into that. That's its own story. I have really tried to focus on health in our family. Mm -hmm. And one of those things is a green smoothie. It's something I started doing years ago and, oh. and just doing that every, trying to do that every morning. I will not pretend that we do or that I do, but it hasn't died. It, it has weathered the test of time. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've overcomplicated it, you know? The smoothie has to have this amount of greens and just this amount of fruit and that amount of seeds or supplements or, you know, additives, whatever the ingredients. And it just started to feel so hard. Mm -hmm. And I stopped doing it after a while when, you know, you started feeling a bit better and, you know, it's like, <laughs> oh, do we have to do this? It just felt so hard. And so I simplified it. And what I do now is I, mm. I don't measure stuff. I just shove it full of greens till almost the top, the blender, and mm -hmm. put in a couple cups of water and blend it a bit. And then I put in fruit and, and then if, you know, I try and take like flaxseed or whatever and throw in that and then, and then that's it. Because it's just, I just had to let go of, of perfection. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that I try, I'm trying to adopt more and more is that if it's worth doing, it's, it's worth doing poorly. Um, <laughs> really? Wait, that's not how that normally goes. I know, that's right? Not the, yes. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. No, if it's worth doing for me, it's worth doing poorly. And one of my daughters, you know, heard me say that. And she's like, well, if it's worth doing, it's just worth doing. <laughs> it's kind of how she put it, you know. But it's true because if I'm trying to do it well, it just can become so discouraging that I give up. Instead, in trying to just make something more routine, this is what helps me to make something more routine is to lower my standards and to go, okay, we're just gonna do this and it's probably gonna be messy. Or, you know, we do a family devotional every day and starting out, there's gonna be some resistance or there's gonna be some arguing or there's, you know, whatever. We're just gonna do it poorly until we've got this going and it's just not a question anymore. It's not a struggle anymore. We're just doing it and then it improves you know, over time mm -hmm. and you have mm -hmm. a few more of those nice times together or, you know, some days the smoothies are better than others. But that that's something that has made a big difference for me is if, if it's worth doing, if it's worth doing for me, then I need to lower my standards and, and just do it and come what may and just and just let it be what it's going to be and allow that over time, it will get to where I want it. I love it. I think that is a really great thought because in some ways, that really shifts our focus, right, to where it needs to be as to whether or not something is worth doing rather <laughs> than how well we are doing it. Because if you get caught up all the time in the level of performance that you have to mm -hmm. have, you can get really, then you're focused on the wrong thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Instead of really being focused on something that is worthwhile. And we're doing it not because I'm great at it and not because I can execute it perfectly, but because the action itself is worth Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, and as a parent, that makes a big difference too, because- because I feel like the the biggest gift that I've been given in parenting is from a book called The Power of Positive Parenting that my parents gave me. And the principle in there is is really basic and, and it kind of can rub people the wrong way because he talks about letting a lot of junk behavior go. Mm -hmm. And as a parent, you're like, well, I can't let my kid grow up and be a jerk. I have to correct them on, you know, on these things. But he makes the case that we overcorrect a lot. And of course, we need to teach and correct at times. But he makes the case that we need to let that go more and just focus on what they are doing right so in the same thing kind of in the same vein of if it's worth doing it's worth doing poorly uh if our kids are doing something poorly but they're doing it we heap on the praise and we look for those things that i can praise and and it's easy for a culture at least for our culture in our home to start to kind of go negative you know and for the mm -hmm. arguing to kind of ramp up more and then it's like why why is this feeling this way why are we arguing or why why are the kids so negative right now you know or whatever why are we so negative and by making that change of okay let's proactively look for stuff to praise and it can feel forced mm -hmm. but there's an example of like do it anyway do it poorly because it changes night to day in our house when we praise the stuff they're getting right and 
the culture changes and love is more present and people feel more safe and more, I don't know, it's just, it just really turns things around. We don't get it perfect. Definitely not. So, you know, we have these times where we're like, okay, we gotta, we gotta do that again. You know, we gotta, we gotta focus on that again. Refocus. Yeah. This is exactly what I needed to hear today. So thank you. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> thank you for your No, gift. I needed to be reminded of it. <laughs> I was just asking a therapist, I was like, what should I do when I know that my son is not giving a full effort? Hmm. So you've done what I've asked. I know that you did it halfway. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And so still looking mm -hmm. at it as an opportunity to praise. Because yeah. I can still do that. No, sure. Because he knows Instead of being want. frustrated. He'll get there. He'll get there. <laughs> so green smoothies. No, so what, what have you found has been beneficial about that? And here's my question for you. Yeah. How long does that green smoothie last before you get home? Depends what you put in it. Okay. If you put some fat and I feel like fat is the big thing that satiates with a green smoothie because you've got a decent amount of fiber already going on with the greens. Mm -hmm. You can up the fiber with things like flaxseed and that satiates for a while. But um, but for me, if I and and the flaxseed can also add fat, you know what I mean? Mm hmm. So, so it just depends um, how much you're putting in of those things to how long it's going to satiate you. Because if it's just like greens and fruit for me, oh, I, I do like a blood sugar nosedive. I feel like headachy, you know, mm -hmm. I'm like this is supposed to be healthy. I feel like crap. That's not yeah. good. You know, <laughs> what's going on? Adding some fat fiber in the greens. I don't know. Just that combo. Just experiment with it. So does everybody take this green smoothie or is it just for yourself? I do it for everyone in my family. They have a ten attempted it occasionally and I'm always like yay somebody else made a smoothie <laughs> you know thank mm -hmm. you someone for doing that you know um but it, right now and and this is something I definitely feel like I'm, I need to improve on is like I need to step away a bit more and let my kids figure some stuff out because mm -hmm. I am there so much and I am a resource that's like ready to ready to support ready to help whatever you know mm -hmm. so i find when i don't make smoothies half the kids don't eat at all <laughs> um and but part of me is like well maybe that's okay maybe they just need to figure that out but um mm -hmm. but yeah i make the smoothie and for a time there even making enough for everyone was too much mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm just being honest about my state of overwhelm at times. I just, I do, I get overwhelmed sometimes. I'm like, oh, I can't do this right now, you know? And so to get over that hump, um, I had an epiphany of like, just make it for yourself, Anna. You matter and you want this. So just make it for yourself. You don't have to make it for everyone. Just make one. And, and I did that and anything left over, I'd give to anyone. And I was like, you know what? That felt, that felt healthy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that felt okay. So yeah, I go through periods of that. That's interesting because I think about whenever I am looking at a self-improvement, right? I'm all, which is kind of always, right? I'm always trying to, I've always <laughs> yeah, got things I'm all, that. we really need to improve on that. But that, yeah. but it always turns into we, <laughs> Yeah. right? Yeah. It's very hard for me to focus on myself. It's true. Me too. If I realize, you know, it's just like this whole positive thing. Well, if I start being positive, I'm also going to point out that everybody else needs to start being positive as well. <laughs> and incidentally, I I'll came give you this a, on a my key own. for that. Okay. Yeah. Great. Okay. Something that, that has, it's going to sound juvenile. So hopefully your kids won't like hate it, but I don't think they will. But we do something called a star chart. The rules are that you can't take anything off of it. It's not assigned to anyone. The star chart is for the family. And anytime anyone catches anyone doing something good, like we've always done it where Greg and I are the ones giving the stars. Mm -hmm. But the kids are like, can we give them to each other? If if you do do that, just make it really big. Because <laughs> you have inflation. Right. But um, <laughs> because there's always, a, you know, there's always some reward at the end of filling the star chart. And it could be something small like, making Sundays and watching a movie, or it could be something big like a camping trip or, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know. That is motivating to us to like to my kids to fill it. And, and they'll, it's funny because sometimes they'll point out like, Hey, I, uh, I just unloaded the dishwasher, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, um, I should give a star for that, you know, but so it's, it's, um, it can be slightly manipulated at times, but it's going in the right direction. You right. know what I mean? Everyone buys into that in our house because we all get 
a reward at the end and we pick it together generally. Like, what mm -hmm. do we want to do? What, what's the star chart for? And uh, it can literally be a, like a piece of paper with a bunch of squares on it that you draw a star in. Mm -hmm. And um, and we have literally done that. Then everyone kind of gets the point of it mm -hmm. and it takes the pressure off of regimenting it or, you know, trying to take on something really huge or change the culture. Well, great. Was there anything else that you had in mind that you want to talk about? There was an experience that I thought about when, when I read your kind of your prompts or your questions, and it was actually on my mission. So I don't know, um, you know, how religious the podcast is. It's but, pretty um, religious, but you know, that's, that's okay. just because that's my life. Yeah, right? It was a life-changing experience for me. When I first went on my mission, I, I left, like, you go on a mission and you leave home, and uh, you know it's going to be for a year and a half. I really struggled for the first month or two, maybe three of my mission with just stress and anxiety, maybe homesickness, honestly. Mm -hmm. It just felt like my world turned upside down mentally. I'm like, what is going on? Why do I feel so terrible so mentally distressed so like existential crisis what is going on how am i going to recover from this you know and my mom was in touch a lot with me and she sent me this journal and it was a gratitude journal and i think everyone's heard about the power of gratitude mm -hmm. um, it's not a, a new idea anymore but it is so powerful and it was one of the things that just that changed everything for me not just being able to continue on and and have a really great experience on my mission mm -hmm. but just as a human being uh changing my paradigm about how to look at my day how to change from just some thought patterns that i had developed mm -hmm. uh, over my life that were not resilient and pessimistic to seeing the abundance in my life seeing just how much i had to be thankful for every day and changing that that paradigm in a in a habitual way because this journal i needed to write down five things every day that i was grateful for and i remember like one of the days it was like i'm grateful for advil because i had really bad cramps oh, and you know, I'm so thankful for that medicine. And that might sound really stupid or mundane or whatever, but it it was something I'd taken for granted, you know, and I really was thankful for it. And there are, there are just so many things in the course of a day that I had been taking for granted that I hadn't taken a moment to, to be thankful for. And I find when I when I start to feel depressed, because mm -hmm. I do, I go through periods where I'll struggle with that. And that can really help me to retrain my brain back on like the abundance that is in my life. It can be hard. Yeah. <laughs> That's what, what I particularly can that. be hard life or gr gratitude or I, I feel like many people this whole last year and a half, the whole pandemic has been such an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. And it can be even more frustrating when you know what will work and you still and don't doesn't. do it. Oh. Or or you just won't even do it. Yeah. You're all, I know that if I did X, Y, and Z, I would feel better. Yeah, what but is I'm that? Really, because I feel that I'm too. I'm really okay feeling, uh, feeling pretty crummy. Yeah. But, you know, you get into these patterns. And, and maybe it's because we're just kind of chasing our tails a lot with things. We're in a holding pattern. Yeah. Waiting for our lives to begin yeah. again. Right? And we don't know when and where that's going to happen. And so these kind of negative patterns keep happening again and again. And then we come out of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm 42 years old. I know I'm not going to feel this way forever. Yeah. And it's, it's like, and I felt this exact way. And the circumstances are so similar. And yet I still am like, you know what? This feels really good to feel really bad. And oddly enough, this even happened today. Like I was having a rough morning and I was like, okay, I need to start changing my focus. Because if I just keep focusing on this thing, and it's interesting how your brain doesn't want to change. Right. Like you can think about if you're, if you're yeah. having a problem with an individual person and, you're, and you can be feeling like, well, all of these things are a problem in this relationship. And then you start to try and think about, well, what are the positive things? And how quickly your brain is like, those positive things don't matter. Ellery, it's all these negative things that are real and those are the ones that matter. But even just entertaining the idea takes some of the pressure off. And then being able to make the decision, I don't want to feel this way. I know it's not productive. It's not the end of the world, but even those small steps, at least for me, even literally today, was able to help me turn around. Whereas there's been other days where I've, you know, days mm -hmm. in, not just one day, but into several yeah, days. me too. Where it's just, you know, weeping and wailing. 
and the difficulty in, in, in things. But even that gratitude, even, even when it feels like it's not working, just because it feels like it's not working doesn't mean yeah. that it's wor not working. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes there's a, what is it, like a deficit that has to be filled for a while before we feel that. Well, there's like, yeah. there's some yeah. lag time that definitely can go with mm -hmm. raising kids as well. A lot of times, because we're always looking for, okay, what is the consequence that is going to magically change the situation, mm -hmm. right? There right. must be something that I can do. <laughs> I have to be able to take away something or force this child to do something that will make them so they will never do this behavior again. <laughs> and I will never have to live through it again because it is too painful. It yeah. is too miserable. And every time it happens again, it's just like you're deeper and deeper, mm -hmm. right? Into this, into this hole. And just because you don't have the immediate effect doesn't mean it's not having any effect. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that can be the, we can get so discouraged and we feel like nothing will ever change and nothing will ever work. But that's because we're looking for a switch. Like, you know, you mm -hmm. download an app or, you know, our right. instant gratification society where that's our, that truly is our expectation. Yeah. And you have to be aware of that, I think. Yeah. I think that's a really great reminder for me because I, I think it is part of our society that we think we're not supposed to have bad days. And if we mm. just, if we just do the, the next thing, if we just exercise every day, we'll never have a bad day. You know, you exercise and then you're like, wait, that didn't fix that. Or, right. you know, or if we just do, the, there's so many promises or something that this is oh, going to fix sure. everything. Especially in like a Christian based hmm. um, mm -hmm. upbringing. Mm. Yeah. Because if you keep the commandments, you'll be blessed. Right. If you do good, then good things will happen to you. Right, right. No suffering mentioned. No, there. <laughs> yeah. And you don't really, even though that's, that's certainly not the experience of Jesus. Right. You know, had everything terrible that could happen to him and then to, in a proxy way, then take care of and have the worst that anyone has ever done. Yeah. You know, so the punishment for everything anyone has ever done and plus the pain yeah. of committing that crime and having that crime committed against you. And he was perfect. Yeah. And somehow we feel like, well, the gospel's not working because I'm having problems. Right, right. It's just not true. It's not true. And But the thing is, it's like you already said, though, even in those times, there is there are things to be grateful for, Absolutely. right? Even, even in those moments. For sure. And, and suffering is part of becoming like Christ and having empathy for others and loving them. Like it's right. a really important part of our developments. And it's kind of funny having a show called I've Got It All Figured Out. It's like you should mm -hmm. really just be talking to 15, 18 year old, maybe 15 <laughs> to 20. Because they've got it all figured out at that point. I mean, yep. you know, certainly they know how to raise a family. Yeah. My children certainly do. <laughs> they know. And I remember feeling the exact same way. And, and what's interesting is you become very judgmental in that mindset. Yeah. Very judgmental. And the reason it's easy for you to do that is because you aren't living it. Right. And you aren't going through it. And that's what's been amazing getting older and, and going through this whole 2020 thing. Because mm -hmm. you end up finding yourself in places where you never really expect, right? Your Definitely. circumstances. Definitely. That were so far out of your projection of your life, you know, and it gives you more compassion. Yeah. And you really start to feel like I can't judge yeah. these other people. Yeah. Even though I have been for a long time, judging them from a place of inexperience and know-it-allness. Is that a word? It's not. But there must, I'm sure there, there, there's a better one. I'm sure there is. And my sister was here. She'd have it on the tip of her tongue because she's like that. So it's just, I, I think it gives me a greater understanding of why we need a savior and why this is so significant that he is our advocate with a father, right? That Christ is there having gone through everything yeah. and known everything and then able to say, I take this person's sin and I pay for it because I've seen them and I, and I love them. Yeah, I feel like I, I just had an experience with this. Maybe it's too personal to share. I don't know. But COVID is definitely or, or isolation or whatever this has, you know, call it has, uh, has surprised me personally with like the, the struggle, the emotional and mental struggle and strain. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if the transition or what, but there was a there was a period where I just felt like I was failing, you know, and mm -hmm. I just felt so discouraged. And I recognized that I was in a place that I couldn't really feel God's love for me. I knew he did from previous experience, you know, mm -hmm. but I couldn't feel it. And and Greg was just so um, patient with me that week. You know, we, we, we aren't always patient with each other's moments like this, you know what I mean? But, mm -hmm. but he was really patient and we went and visited my family because we don't live near any family. We're quite isolated where we live. And while I was there, I received a blessing. I received a priest a blessing. And I remember just feeling before the blessing just so low, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, like, like I just, I couldn't rally and I just felt worn out and burnt out. And yeah, spent. And I felt shamed, shame about that, you know? I should be stronger and I should be, you know, whatever. And then during the blessing, it talked about 
how pleased the Lord was with me. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> how can you possibly be pleased with me? But I was like pondering it as, as those words were being said. And I, f I felt an insight and it was God's mercy. I felt his mercy for me in my lack and in my weakness, just feeling so low that he, he knew my heart, he knows my heart. And that even though I was doing what felt like diddly squat, I was, you know, mm -hmm. he was embracing me in the arms of his mercy, that he was accepting me, even though I had have so much weakness and I didn't feel like I was progressing or, or working hard enough, whatever, you know, that he was like extending his mercy to me where I was, as I was. And, uh, and that was, that was mind blowing that it, that he wasn't saying, Anna, you have to rally. Mm. The message was my mercy covers this and it's okay. And I'd, I'd never had an experience like that before. Mm -hmm. That was new to me. I'm still, still pondering it, still learning from what that means. Well, thank you for sharing that. Because I think it's something that a lot of people are going to be able to relate to. The isolation or whatever, and just having so many things taken away from us, not even realizing how much we relied on them mm -hmm. before that, and how much we took for granted, and how supported we were by other things or other people even though maybe we felt like we were more independent than we actually were, right? So yeah. it's, it's almost like this shouldn't make that much of a difference. Yeah. <laughs> we should just be happy to be home together with nothing to do. <laughs> yeah. I'm an introvert. You know, I'm like, built this for this, right? This is, no. this is what I was supposed to be for. <laughs> and, and I don't know, it just really, what was my husband talking about? It was like the, the, the shores coming in, right? When you have high tide, you don't see all the stuff. Hmm. And then you've got low tide and there's just, oh, all this stuff was just <laughs> Hello. sitting here, but we couldn't see it because the tide kept coming in and now it's going out. And, and so it does, it, it, you know, it's, it takes us back to Ether 1227, mm. right? Yeah. As, as far as coming unto Christ and seeing our weakness. And a lot of times we don't want to look at it and we can't even understand that he can look at it with compassion. Yeah. Like, like we get to that point where we just feel like we're so unworthy because we've confused that the reason that he loved us is because of something we were doing. Yep. Yeah. And he accepts us completely and totally. And it's hard for us to associate, to understand that because I'm not going to say we, I don't have that love for others. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. As far as like a truly unconditional love. And maybe it's because I haven't been around long enough, right? <laughs> God, he's been around for such a long time. He doesn't have a date on things. He doesn't have an expiration yeah. date. Right. And so often we just, I, I'm not going to say we, I can put limits on my love. You know, what was it? I would do anything for love, but I wouldn't do that. The meatloaf song. <laughs> right. Yeah. At some point, you know, there's a limit at yeah. some point. And so it's just hard for us to imagine or even understand. But then what a beautiful thing to feel the gift of God's love and his mercy. So this will pass. It will pass. And even though we feel really crappy and like at times, like it, it's never going to end, mm -hmm. it is going to end. And that, that reminder and that perspective that we're not always going to feel this way. And even day to day, I'm like, hey, I'm feeling pretty good today. I'm, is this the end? You know? Right, right. <laughs> and then, you know, a few days go by, a couple weeks go by, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, I, I thought I was, I thought I was over this, you know, or I thought I was out of this. Or... Oh, exactly. I was just talking with my girlfriend this morning, how sometimes we feel like there needs to be some decision made. Mm -hmm. This decision yeah. is going to be made. And then if I just know that and we've made that decision, yes, then I can move on. Like I can the close this chapter. The effects of COVID are done. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or even just like, okay, so now you've promised you're never going to do that again. Right. Okay. So it is never happening. We can just close that chapter. And, and what a joke. I mean, life isn't like that right. at all. No. I mean, we're making these decisions every day as to whether or not. I mean, eventually, you know, yeah. you get to a point yeah. where, for instance, we're all potty trained now, right? Right. So that's no, that's no longer on the table. Like that's not going to, but even sometimes it might. Yeah. Yeah. I extreme. mean, I, I don't know where I'm going to be at in a, when I'm in my nineties, well, if I make it that far. You know, right? you can laugh hard enough. <laughs> Things happen. Yeah. Yes. Things happen. You we get had a stomach kids. Bug. I had four babies. There, anything yeah. could happen. So even though you were, if there's something that you, this is so bizarre, you really trusted <laughs> that you were potty trained still occasionally in extreme circumstances. Yeah. Or even as you point out, later on in life, it may completely change. And, yep. But we're always looking for that closure, mm -hmm. and it's an illusion. Yeah. So I'm not sure how we find, this is starting to get into very Eastern thought, right? 
and this is kind of, you know, the first tenet of Buddhism is that life is pain. Yeah, once we can accept that, right? Once we can it's accept like, that, then we can actually be happy about like, other okay, things because our... We can enjoy it now. Yeah, because our <laughs> expectation is no longer, it should always be great. Yeah, yeah. After that episode, I have a question for you, listener. What are your aspirations in your life that you have put on hold? It, it doesn't have to be something related to a degree that you aren't using professionally. What is the thing that you always pictured yourself doing in your life that got set aside? Now, maybe it was for the best reason in the world, or maybe it was for the stupidest reason in the world. Either way, can you figure out how you can start to inch it back into your life? But if that isn't resonating with you, I have another challenge. Is there something in your life that would benefit from you lowering your standard? What could you gain in consistency if you let go of perfection? Because if it's worth doing, then you've got to do it. Done is better than perfect. Thank you so much for listening today. If you haven't yet, please take a moment to subscribe, review, and or share this podcast. And as always, keep on trying until you've got it all figured out. Ba, 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 ba.